Ethical disclaimer. While Diana and I are psychologists, we aren't your psychologists. Reverse psychology, while hopefully fun and informative, is not a replacement for therapy. If you're interested in speaking with a therapist, please check out some of the links in our episode description. Also, Diane and I are both deeply passionate about psychology. Common with things you love, we may get frustrated, but at the end of the day, we hold sincere respect for psychology and psychologists. Now, on with the show. I do have a clip on the microphone. Why? Because the red ball is too big for my microphone. Why does mine fit? Because it's a different style of microphone. This is... Oh. This is a microphone you'd use to like mic an acoustic guitar. Oh. Yours is for a voice. That's why my voice on this sounds more like a, a guitar. Thing. Welcome back to Reverse Psychology, the one and only podcast about psychology that we are aware of or really care about. I am Dr. Mike. I'm Dr. Diana. Yeah, and we're here. We are back in the uh, Get In Studio. Yeah. For another exciting talk about psychology. I hope the fact that the dryer and the dishwasher are on doesn't factor into how people listen to this. It's white noise, so if people have like an ear ringing, <laughs> it's actually going to help them all. Okay. Out. So this podcast is actually empirically supported to help ear ringing. We shouldn't do chores at the same time as we, uh, so my dad we need to get a recording us. studio. I know. I keep saying that we should build one. We can put one next to your period shed. Aww. That way. I can come when I'm on my period. Yeah, once a month when you're in the shed, I can just feed the microphone through the wall. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. Oh, so sweet. Yeah. The tagline though. What's what's the new I Okay, so tagline? I'm going to put up two. Come for the comedy, stay for the psychology. Okay. Come for the psychology, stay for the comedy. Okay. Very similar. To, it's just reversed psychology. We should. Get it? Oh, yeah. I do get it. It's reverse psychology. It's, you're going to hate it. It's No, it's reverse psychology, the podcast. It's like psychology reversed. That's Not good. It doesn't really yeah. say anything. Okay. No, it's, you're right. It's, yeah. it's, saying, it's saying a lot it's of words. It's going to feel like we're... That scene in Twin Peaks where people talk backwards? I thought it was just one guy. It's everyone in that red room, except for Dale. God, I love that show. You know, we should just every week run through new potential taglines until we really nail one. Okay, I'm okay with that. But first entry, come. I got it. Reverse psychology. We have a tagline. Tagline, TBD. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come for the psychology. Nope. Nope. Well, no bad ideas in brainstorming, yep. which is actually a myth. Yeah, you say that all the time, and I disagree every time. Part? You think it's a myth? Do you think it's wrong that it's a myth, or is it wrong that? I think there are bad ideas in brainstorming. Oh, always. And I think there are bad questions, and people say, oh, there's no bad questions. That's so wrong. That's wrong. I, when I teach, I usually say, I will let you know if it's a bad question. <laughs> and sometimes I do. They're like, do I need to know this? Like, yeah, you do. Yeah. If I'm talking about yeah. it, you need to know it. Right. I do love to hear myself talk, though. So sometimes I say things that aren't important in class. Yeah. Do people, do students ever like stop you and ask for a break? Not, no, not, not actually. No. <laughs> not actually? No. I was, I was thinking because I was, my gut instinct was just to say yes, because I feel like I would ask myself to stop for a break. Students very rarely stop and ask to get a break. 
More I was not, that student a lot. More often than not, I realize that I've gone way over the break time. And they go, do you guys want a break? You want to hear me keep going? And they go, let's, get, let's, let's all take a few minutes to decompress. Yeah, I'm really strict about break time in class. Actually, now I have a student each week who I ask to be my timekeeper. Mm. Is it the same person or different? No, one? it changes each week, depending on the person. Every class, now the class I'm teaching, every class period has a different person who's presenting. Is it a reward to be the timekeeper? No, I mean, no, I don't, it depends on the person, I guess. I'd be pumped. I just, it's very helpful for me because then someone's holding me accountable and they don't feel like an asshole for doing it because I've appointed them to that role. Because yeah. I just, I want to be, I would, as a student, I'd hate sitting in class when the instructor would be like, oh, we're going to have a break at, you know, 5.15 or whatever. And you'd get to like 5.20 and then 5.25, you'd be like, I'm never getting a break. I know it. Hated it. How many times have you eaten an, a meal alone in IKEA this week? Once. Me too. It was a lunch. Mine was a dinner. It I was feel really like sad. I don't know why, but I feel like a lunch at IKEA is less depressing. In my mind, it was more like this is fuel to shop, and so I was just like uh, scooping it in mm. my face as fast as I can. The guy, when I checked out, he literally said, "Up." Oh, let me know if you can't find a space to, to sit at. Because it was empty? It was completely empty. Aww. It was dark. They were like closing down. Uh, did he give you a, a suicide crisis hotline card with your meal? No. That's good. But I, I ate the shit out of those veggie balls. Mm, yeah, they're so really good. good. I yeah. know. We should just go there for dinner sometime. We should. It'd be romantic. It's depressing though because they put the calorie counts next to the meal. Oh, they do. I didn't even look. And I got chicken tenders, which was thirteen hundred calories. Oh my god! And I was like, "Yeah, I'll like eat some of these." And then like I just blacked out, and then I was <laughs> standing over the trash can eating as other you, people's tenders. Yeah, as you do with chicken tenders, you can't like have can't a plate stop. and stop. There's also no to-go containers at IKEA. Yeah, as far as I know. that's how they get you. So they get you. That's how the calories get you. Uh, so. Oh, I know. I've been waiting all week to talk about this idea I had. Okay, shoot. When we get a new cat or dog. Okay. I mean, one of our cats. Our, our, only, our cat. only cat. She's probably going to live forever, but she's a terrible cat. So her, her hate is making her stronger. I know it does. Anyways, when we get a new animal, we should name it Peeve. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. No, that's a real laugh. Okay. The fifth time I've heard it, it's still funny. <laughs> I've been talking about it all week since ever since I thought it up. I know. No, it's good. Why would you call it peeve? Because it's our pet peeve. <laughs> I like it. I know. Uh, oh. I, don't, I bet that's never been done. Probably not. What's, an, what's some other good pet names? Any like real person's name. I like when people give their pets first and last names that are different than the family name. So it's kind of like they're a roommate staying with them. I like when people name their animals after NPR personalities, like Olfabia Quizdarkton. Olfabia Quizbarkin. Olfabia <laughs> Or um, Noam Chomsky. Oh, get it? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good Hey-o! one. He's not an NPR personality, but I'll, I'll give it a pass. He's, he's been on NPR before. What kind of animal, what would you want to name an animal? I feel like I would like to name an animal either after a musician or a, like a an athlete, like a, a, a runner. If I, if I if we got a dog that, that I would Prefontaine. Run, yeah, if if we got a dog I would run with, I would name it Pre. Oh. Prefontaine. That's cute. And then which is funny because then if I'm at the park and it it's too far away, I can scream out Precom. 
Pre, come. I I am selectively attending. <laughs> you're, you're in a bad mood. I'm not in a bad mood. Okay. I'm not. I told that you're affect. Okay. Yeah, I would like to get a dog. If, I mean, to run with, that'd be fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And You've I would name it after Steve Prefontaine. Yeah, that's a good one. I'd be open. I wouldn't even take on a third dog right now. I know that's like a terrible idea, but I just, no, it's not a good idea. I just really love dogs. How was your weekend? It was good. Yeah. It was, um. What were the highlights? Oh, how, how can I choose just one? How, what were the low lights? How can I choose just one? Uh, no, it was really good. We got a lot of unpacking done, which mm-hmm. felt really good. The back room is all kind of like. Sport. Your room. Nah, it's not just my room, but. It, Does it have anything of mine in it? N- no, mm-hmm. but that's because any room that had my stuff in it, you'd move it out and go, let's put this in the back room. <laughs> and so <laughs> the back room by default became my room because my stuff couldn't go in another room. That is half true. It's mostly true. That's half true. <laughs> all my stuff got relegated to the back and you came back it looks and you're great like, though i yeah. like the way you put it all together thank like, you yeah all the rejected stuff from the rest of the house i know all it's a the real reject. dude's room yeah because you didn't want anywhere else i do i like the idea that you put that like um what's that called they're like reclining chair but it's not an armchair armchair yeah <laughs> it's like a chair it's a chair that doesn't recline just, you know an armchair just chair chair yeah but you got an ottoman for it that's what i was yeah i was really i I went to Ikea and I saw one and the little sticker looked like the same color as the chair. Yeah. And so I pulled out my knife and I cut the box open to, to see if the, it actually looked the same. And it did. I was like, oh, cool. I'll get this. But then I was like, I panicked because I didn't want them to be like, oh, do you want one that wasn't cut open by some asshole? Mm. And so then I put it at the bottom of my stack of boxes mm-hmm. and then bought it. Oh, that's the end of the story? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, it was, I, it was hard to tell when it ended. Was it also hard to tell when it started? <laughs> no, no I, I got the beginning of the story. I just, it, yeah. tra- it kind of trailed off. So it wasn't like a firm. Well, because we still have the Ottomans. So we're still in the story. Oh, right. Yeah. I mean, technically, unless you're telling a story that happened in the past. All, most stories happen in the past. I could tell you a story of what's happening right now. That's a lie. No, it's not a lie. If it was in the future, it'd be a lie. Or a guess. Also, this week, you decided that we have a ghost in the house. Oh, yeah, because I walked into the dining room and there was a man-sized shit on the floor and one small dog that was limping away. So two hypotheses. One is that we have a ghost who took a dump and also kicked my dog. Or <laughs> Zeus had been stirring up shit all week. Yeah, he had. It, it, it really, made me feel so relieved for him. It broke the tension in the house. <laughs> if you're ever in the middle of a fight, just take a dump in the middle of the room and everyone will feel better. I did weirdly get jealous of him because I haven't had a ball movement that like yeah, yeah. magnificent in a while. Yeah. I was like, oh man, I should start eating dog kibble. It's like dog kibble and then like all the emotions of the world. Yeah. There was a lot of anxiety. Yeah. Up in that. Yeah. They were, the dogs were not doing well this week, but they think they're better now. We've met some neighbors. Yeah. We have great neighbors. Yeah, we do. We both met Carl on different days. Yep. The story checks out too. Yeah. He was very nice should we dox him and tell everyone where his apartment is <laughs> well his is an apartment for yeah i mean we don't have to say where but he he invited me twice in case i needed anything to come to his apartment and he told me he's 75 and he's a veteran 75 yeah looks fantastic oh yeah he walks up and down the street yeah, a lot that's the secret to longevity he's a veteran he pointed out all the veteran people on the street mm-hmm. all that live here 
He really loves our plants. Yeah, he told me that his doctor told him to get more plants, yeah. specifically green plants, even inside. Yeah. And I said, sounds like your doctor's a smart guy. He's like, yep. And then but I, he told you if you ever need anything to go ask him. Yeah. And I knew that. And so I could feel him revving up to it. And so I cut him up and go, Carl, if you ever need anything, this is where I live. He's like, all right, well, this is where I live. And so now we're friends. Cool. Yeah. Oh, I got some feedback this week from people, from listeners. Okay. People are really excited that we've fixed the microphone issue, mm-hmm. as am I. It's yeah. much easier to listen to. It was positive feedback. We got some, Good. maybe some, some critical feedback, constructive yeah, feedback. Like, stop. Yeah. Why are you doing that? No, no, no. Um, just saying like, hey, the concepts you guys are talking about, maybe, you know, you want to explain them a bit more. We're going to have to like record another episode this week really quick because you're going to cuba i'm going to cuba yeah how do you feel about going to cuba Cuba. i feel excited i feel weird that i'm going to be in a place where there's very little access to like calling you oh (laughs) capitalism you're gonna miss capitalism yeah i am gonna miss it it's gonna be hard for those five days is there the internet do they have like a walled internet they have wi-fi which is how you say wi-fi in spanish Uh, but is it walled like china's there's a lot of things you can't get on it yeah like you can't get skype you should just look up a bunch of different websites and see what you kind of can't get. I don't really want to like test the limits of the internet okay. while I'm in Cuba. Do they just, have Facebook? I, prob- I, I don't know. It's a good mm. question. I can ask my friend who's from Cuba. Um, I'm excited to go to the Museum of the Revolution. I'm actually really excited. My friend told me that <laughs> they have pictures of like all past U.S. presidents and they all look like doofy, like like they have dumb looks on their faces. Are they like the characters you get at the beach? Like they're all <laughs> in dune buggies yeah. with a tennis racket. <laughs> yeah, but um, of course Obama looks great. Oh yeah, he's like exalted. You can't take a bad picture of Obama. No, you cannot. Oh Even in Cuba, I love his portrait. The National Portrait Gallery. Yeah, I love the National Portrait Gallery. I want to get one like that. Just like me and a bunch of leaves. Yeah, apparently that museum is really interesting in Cuba. So we're gonna do like. You know, the classic cars tour thing, mm. hang out in Havana, do the Buena Vista Social Club mm. thing. Yeah. So it's going to be fun. So. Yeah. Let's get let's, let's get down let's, to Biggie's Wax. Let's get cracking. Looking o- over the outline. We've gone over Ikea. <laughs> We've gone over. Pet peeve. Ghost shit. <laughs> We've gone over <laughs> whether or not students beg me for a break. Mm. Answer is no. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so. Based on the feedback we were getting and also based on my intention from last time, I want to go over heuristics a little bit more because I feel like for one thing, we didn't really give as in-depth of an overview of what they were. And there's one specific heuristic that I really want to talk about because I feel like it's extremely prevalent and we don't often see it or think about it. So what did we establish last week in terms of heurist- a heuristic? What did we establish? Yeah. Like, what is it? A Let's heuristic is a mental shortcut. And it's, it's used to let us make a decision or solve a problem very quickly. Ideally, we use it when we have a high base rate of being correct on something or okay. if it's low stakes because we, we're, we're constantly making choices throughout the day. And so... If- right. Didn't you say also it's like it's to conserve energy. So you kind of have these like quick processes that you can use to go throughout your day and then you can devote energy to the things that you really need to apart from that. Yeah, absolutely. It's a way to conserve energy. Well, let me ask you too. Okay. When do you, when do we use heuristics? How many heuristics are there? There's a lot of them. Like a hundred? 
<laughs> All right. <laughs> I just love it because my my thinking was that people wanted like more of like a in general. What's the idea mean? And now I'm getting the f- sense that people want very hard numbers. <laughs> like, what, well, you, what type of data would you say? How many different ones are there? Well, if you, you know, I want you to put all of your energy into answering this question, not make a heuristic guess. There are. I mean, maybe that we don't even know all the ones that there are. There's a model. This is getting kind of in the weeds, but there's models of heuristics or okay. like kind of styles that we use. And then there's specific heuristics okay and so there's 13 informal models of heuristics like like general things that we do so if i say hey mike what's going on hi did you hear the news about all the people dying on mount everest (gasps) no when i don't know i just saw it really quick on the news this weekend it seems like everyone's dying on everest wow who are who is they're all the people who have money to climb the mountain are dying oh my god are their families okay well, do you, I did, I use her heuristic. And so this is one of the more common ones. So if you and I were talking about mountain climbing, the risks of mountain climbing. Sure. And there is this news that people are dying on Everest. Do you know why they're dying? Because they're not well prepared. No. Well, yeah, kind of. More because they're letting more and more people climb, but there's a really narrow path that you can go to the top. And so... As you're climbing down, people are climbing up and people are not allowing people down. Mm. So these people that are dying are getting trapped in this death zone mm. on Everest. Imagine that's be horrifying. You get to the top, you're like, oh, we fucking did it. And then you're climbing down and some like assholes like, sorry, coming through. And then you just die before you can post it on Instagram. Yeah, there's probably no Wi-Fi there's up there. There's no Wi-Fi. There's no cell service. Yeah. I think it's a... really expensive. It's like $60,000 to do. Very expensive. Yeah. It's also covered in dead bodies and shit. And shit. shit. I know. Oh, that's so gross. I know. That's why we need to find a different, cleaner mountain. I'm going to start that campaign. Yeah. So, if we were talking about mountain climbing in general and we're talking about like the risks of it, because all these news stories are coming out, we'd probably be much more likely to talk about it in a much more risky fashion than it actually is. Or if we were asked, how many people die mountain climbing? The availability of this information would, sure. would make us guess much higher than right. we normally would. Right. That's the availability heuristic. Right. Which says that unless we're like either have a basis of information already. Sure. Or if we are like moving real slow, if we're like your dad, we're, we're like going to scrutinize every single thing Yeah. and don't trust Wikipedia. Yeah. We're going to rely on the immediate examples that come to our mind first or things that we just heard. Which is crazy because we do this all the time and like our brains trick us all the time. I just feel like it's such an interesting phenomenon when just the information that's available to me forms my opinion, helps me form oh, yeah. my opinions. And like even deeper than that, though, how I feel about the world, how I feel about myself, Mm -hmm. people around me. (laughs) I hope people can hear our washing machine turning off. Our washing machine plays like a 45 minute jingle. I know. It sounds like the ice cream man, too. I I get hungry every time. But you're you're absolutely right, though, because our brain weighs newer information more heavily as well as more abundant information is more valid because we we confuse the ease of recall with it being accurate so for instance if i were to say let's take any book in our bookshelf Mm -hmm. and we'll open to any page do you think there's going to be more words that start with k or have k as the third letter have k as the third letter that was one of the original I don't know if it's original. One of the early studies that Kahneman did on the availability heuristic, he would ask these, ask people questions where 
it's easier to think of an example of one than the other. Well, he, so was I right? Uh, I, I mean, I don't think so. I don't know. I I think K is the third letter is much more prevalent because it's in a wide variety of words that we don't often think about. So I was right. Well, yeah, but you're you're just going. You're, no, I'm really smart. You are really smart. See, because you had a vested but interest. But I also I did. I like it when you say that I'm smart, mm-hmm. and I just took a beat and thought about it. If you're moving very quickly, you can probably think of K words much faster than K is the third letter because it's harder to see. This comes up a lot, mm-hmm. the availability mm-hmm. heuristic. So in the media, the more you see news stories about a specific event, right. uh, where we overwhelmingly feel like it's happening more. Right. Which it's interesting because when we first moved here and there was the... Serial killer. The, the, the serial killer. There was what, like f- four, five people over a few months, which yeah. was horrible. Like yeah. it's a terrible thing. It's but awful. It was so heavily reported on yeah. and publicized that it felt like we were in danger all the time. Right, right. Whereas a month before that, we were living in Baltimore that had like 1.5 killings a day. Right. And we felt way safer because it's so well, so commonplace. Yeah. That it'd, be, it'd be redundant to report another murder in Baltimore. Yeah. But, I think, but that's the availability heuristic where if we felt different because it was reported a lot more. Mm-hmm. Or people feel like it's more reported like kids' drug use and kids' drinking where actually a lot of the research shows that all that stuff's going down. Like hmm. kids are doing that stuff a lot less a teenage sex is going down what about because kids can get porn much more easily what about um choking yourself till you pass out i feel like that for a while that's like all that was on the news which one choking your like the 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 choking game till you pass out yeah those yeah those things are like this is leaning towards like slender man mass hysteria type stuff yeah because there was another one that someone posted on um, on facebook some some girl i went to high school with where it's like Parents, whenever your kid goes on YouTube, watch the entire video because there's this trend where midway through the video, this person or creepy face is going to tell your child to kill themselves and kids are dying everywhere. There's like no evidence of it. But that's really interesting, too, because the availability heuristic has probably shifted a lot. Like it used to be that um, it was just like what the media decided to report on that we would, you know, like think that was happening a lot more now with facebook with all the multiple shares of everything oh, yeah. you know it's like the click without thinking share this thing and now the social media is shaping our worldview yes and because of social media it's also really, the availability heuristic is also becoming it's helping us get more polarized too because like i can't easily think of someone that really disagrees on some core things that I believe. So like things like climate change, like it's hard for me to think about like a couple of people that do. So it feels like who my parent. Well, yeah, that's, but but that's an easy example of like the people that I know that match it are your parents, my parents to a lesser extent where people that agree with us are like our age. And so it's kind of like, Oh, who our age, like no one, because it's more available. It feels like if someone were to ask me how many people 25 to 40 believe in climate change, I'd be like everyone, everyone every single person, but that's our reality too, because of who we surround ourselves with. Exactly. But, and that's a big, that's a great example of a heuristic because I don't know uh, what I don't know. And my brain's aware that that would take a lot of time to figure out. And so I'm just going to bank on the fact that I'm probably right. Do you think that the availability heuristic affects the way we feel about ourselves, depending on what kind of information we're hearing about ourselves all the time? Oh, yeah. Like if you grew up in a household where your parents are telling you that like you are terrible and you don't, you know, you don't live up to expectations and, you know, whatever, like, is that going to... Oh, that's yeah. what's available to you. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that's going to really affect how easy it is to recall certain things, too. Mm. Because if that's your expectation and that's the mental shortcut, there's a tipping point with all this stuff where... I read that book. Yes. It's not the same tipping point. Close, though. This one has more information, more like facts behind it. Mm-hmm. There, There's a tipping point where as you grow up, you're given more of this information. That's the availability where it's... If you think about yourself, are you good or bad? And you're just constantly have evidence that you're bad. Even if it's to give like arbitrary numbers, if you do like 10 good things and five bad things, but the bad ones are really pointed out, that's what's available to your information. Mm -hmm. That's how you're going to think about yourself. Mm -hmm. That's going to tip over because you're going to start to like really identify with that. Mm -hmm. It becomes your identity. So then that will mesh with you more. It's easier for you to add to a pile rather than start a new pile. Mm. And so that's the shit pile. Exactly. Yeah. It's easier to add to a shit pile than start a good pile. And a lot of these heuristics, a lot of the goal of a heuristic is just to keep things running on time. And so we don't like information that doesn't mesh with what we already know. Like with this availability one, people will argue to death over this information just because it's more available and they have a vested interest in being correct. Like mm-hmm. There's one example. This is a while ago. So I don't know if this would still be very accurate based on how culture has changed. But in 1992, there was a study where they, uh, they talked to doctors and they gave them case studies. And essentially, all these cases mirrored a, like two different problems or two different diseases. And they changed the sex and the uh, sexual orientation of, of the case. So, like This is a heterosexual male, heterosexual female, homosexual male, homosexual female. And then they showed them all these cases and then they just asked them to guess what was the illness. And essentially it was either the flu or HIV, but they were, Oh, interesting. But they, but they weren't given those prompts at all. They were just saying like, it's, this is just a test and how well you can identify an illness. Sure. And so of like the mass amount of people that they tested overwhelmingly, those were the two that people identified. Some people were, got really fancy. They're like, it's lupus. It's never fucking lupus. It sometimes is lupus. Sometimes is. It's, if you're on house, it's always lupus. So the the first thing that was found though is that overwhelmingly people said either the flu or HIV, which are the two most readily available things because the flu is extremely common. Right. And in the 90s, right. HIV was up and coming. But what they found was that homosexual males, people were overwhelmingly likely to assume it was HIV. Sure. Even if the exact same case with a different gender or orientation had this had the exact same wording right, to it. Right, it was, right. oh, like that heterosexual female has the flu, that homosexual male has HIV. Which is another reason why clinical judgment is so scary. Exactly, exactly. And the interesting thing, there was an added layer to this study, which was, and this is where it gets really problematic because they also ask of this case study, how at fault is the person and how desirable are they to work with and what they found is that if people assumed someone had hiv the personal fault was much higher Hmm. and so there's this availability heuristic and then there's this added layer of like a like a judgment like a judgment like a a, a prejudice where it's like if you're a homosexual male and you have these symptoms you're probably have hiv it's probably your fault and i don't want to work with you Hmm. whereas if it was a non-homosexual male it's like oh you probably have the flu it's probably not your fault i'd love to help you out so do you think the answer to that is to mask your sex and orientation, sexual orientation when you go to the doctor? It, it, that is really interesting because I, I, I think that's really important because in where I work in the charts, it, they recently placed that in the chart. 
They have your the or- sex and the orientation, the sex orientation and identified sex, which on one hand, it seems like, oh, that's very progressive that you're mm. adding in. What are you identifying as? Yeah. Why don't they just say it as the person's sex? Yes. That's one big problem. The other big problem is I've actually had a lot of people come into my office complaining, like staff complaining about it. People use my office as like a, a place to like raise grievances. Like, mm-hmm. like I can do anything. Yeah. But I love to help them out. People, they raise this idea. They're, they're saying like, oh, I saw yesterday this person it said sex was male, identified as female. And I was trying to find you because they clearly have mental problems. Oh my God. And I was like, oh, like, did they, what were they reporting? They're like, oh, nothing. But like, they have, the, have mental problems. They have the flu. Exactly. They have the flu. But that, like, that's a big problem. It's just a problem in the way it's conceptualized in general too. Like, just yeah. say what your sex is. Like, just say what it is. Yeah. And then we'll go with that. But the other big, well, the other yeah. big problem too is like, people who are like identifying as homosexual heterosexual like that's great and at the same time i've seen it where and i know it's happening where people who are identifying as homosexual are getting much more heavily scrutinized for their sexual behavior Mm. are they wearing protection are they doing this whereas if you say you're heterosexual very rarely you ask like are you using condoms like are you being safe do you have multiple partners so there's still this bias like against homosexuality Hmm. Um, and in the name of being inclusive and putting it in the chart, it's also like making a little bit more of a target because of that, that availability where, Oh, I think of homosexual men. I think of being promiscuous and Mm -hmm. glitter and hard bodies. The availability heuristics, like the most easy to see, easy to point out because it's just like a numbers game. It's like, Oh, that because, because you think of it more easily, you can find it. One that's a way more problematic. The, uh, affective heuristic, which I'm going to change to emotional reasoning because of my stutter. Uh, <laughs> but this is the one where we make a decision quickly based on the emotion we're feeling in the moment, mm. even if that thing is not causing the emotion. So can you give me an example? Y- yes. So like if I'm in a bad mood right now, which I'm not. Okay. That was so convincing. <laughs> okay. Let's okay. say that you, you and I were going someplace. Okay. We stopped to get coffee mm-hmm. and then we went to, let's was say, it day or night? Cause I love night coffee. <laughs> I know it's a problem. And when you wonder why you can't sleep. No, 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 no. I love night coffee in the sense that if I get to stay up really late, yeah. I get to, yeah. um, like I'm going to like a show or something and I'm like, Oh I, yes, I get to have night coffee. I do like night coffee. I like having, yeah. it doesn't happen very often. I like having coffee at a diner at night. It just feels very romantic. Going Who are you night, with? Just alone. Smoking a cigarette. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm waiting for a slice of pie, and then I'm going to question someone. Yeah, like, like Twin Peaks. How about this? Because you're embarking on a new business venture, mm. and let's say you and I were going to go look at a a place for, yeah. for you to rent. Mm-hmm. We stop in the way. We have coffee, and even though you are a dark roast girl, all they had was light roast, which we know has higher caffeine in it. You're drinking it. You're getting a little anxious. Be- Heartburn. No. Well, maybe, maybe you're getting heartburn, but you're getting some anxiety or, or anxiety-like symptoms, heart rate's going up, stuff like that. You're sweating. Mm-hmm. You have to have to make diarrhea. And <laughs> we go to the place, you're feeling all this stuff. Unless you're, if you're moving too quickly, you might say, this place is making me anxious. I don't like this place. Make Interesting. The, make yeah. a quick decision. Because even though this thing is causing a feeling, you're much more likely to act on it and use it to make a decision. Hmm. They do these studies with like caffeine pills a lot where they'll have people make decisions or evaluate people. And beforehand, they'll give them a pill 
God, our brains are so poor. At, our brains like, are shitty. They're really bad. I'm like listening to all this thinking I meet someone and I can make a judgment on whether or not I like them based on my own internal state and what's going on with me. Like that's mm. so unfair. Yeah, Our brains are kind of like a flip phone trying to run the newest iPhone <laughs> software. <laughs> yeah. Cause, cause like, we're, we're, we're doing amazing stuff. We never were supposed to. Yeah. But the problem is that like, where's, we're, our hardware is pretty shitty. Essentially what the research shows is that we rely on our emotion first mm-hmm. and then we later go back in to add in the rationale behind it. Okay. So like usually emotion is driving the car. Mm. There's actually a really cool study where it was looking at how we form moral judgment. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the, the original way we thought about morals, the original theory was that we see something, we make a judgment based on logic and harm and things like that. And then our emotion follows up. You see someone doing something, you say, oh, that's hurting this person. That's a wrong thing. I'm angry. I don't agree with this. So this study, what they did was they came up with these very specific vignettes and showed them to people and essentially asked them, is this morally wrong or not? And then the vignettes were designed. So overwhelmingly people would say yes. So like, the vast majority said, yes, these things are immoral. But then they would go back and say, all right, why? Why is it immoral? And they wrote them in ways where there's no harm in it. They found that people really struggled to like justify their emotions of it being morally right or not. And more often than not, people said it just feels wrong. Mm. And so the, the vignettes would be... So can we trust our emotions really at all? I mean, we can. These vignettes were gross. And so there, it'd be like a man lives alone. He goes to the grocery store every Friday and buys uh, raw chicken breast. He makes love to it, washes it out, and cooks it and eats it. Mm. And people are like, is that morally right or not? And a lot of people are like, no, that's disgusting. And they're like, well, he cleans it and he cooks it and no one's seeing it and blah, blah, blah. And they're like, yeah, but it's gross. It is gross. It's also like the, the, the classic one that gets, gets made in a lot of replication studies are like a brother and sister. They're both in their early 20s. They develop feelings for each other on a vacation they have sex together they have they wear protection it's consensual afterwards they decide like that was fun but they don't want to do it again they never tell anyone is that morally right or not mm. and again people are like no that's wrong it's your sister and they point out like well what's wrong about it because if it's the risk of having an offspring mm, that that's interesting bred, yeah that's gone if it's yeah. coerced it's not they're of age all, you go through all these logical steps and they find that people still say well it's just gross i don't yeah. like it but that's so that's a really common way we make decisions is well to bring it back to and I've, i'm sorry i keep doing this oh, the but peloton? no 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 i want a peloton bike get me a peloton bike no to bring it back to the whole idea of like how this relates to therapy i was kind of interested when you were talking because we talked <laughs> i was kind of interested when you were talking <laughs> i was i half zoned out okay. honestly it made me think about how your orientation is acceptance and commitment therapy and how a part of that is this idea like you can have these emotions you can have this emotional reaction you can have these thoughts but the whole idea like you can distance yourself from those you don't have to believe something just because your brain says it's true oh yeah absolutely so that's a big thing within acceptance and commitment therapy right that we have this automatic evaluation of ourselves based on our stories and mm-hmm. our stories have like emotional content right tied to it there's a really classic experiential exercise that we can all do really quickly which i like a lot and so the first part of it is you identify what's a story that you have that like feels bad like i'm not smart enough okay that's a comma i'm not smart enough i'm ugly i'm fat so take a moment in your car 
and think about what makes you cry. Oh, I like this like interactive experience. Yeah, scream. Take what you say. Take three seconds and just kind of like. Drop. I think it's been more than three seconds well, now. We haven't done the experiment. Okay. Drop you your, said think about something that makes you cry. Well, like you have to call it up first. Okay. And, and usually when we call it up, kind of in the wild, we our our defenses come up. We we try to fight around it. We ignore it. We avoid it. Things like that. So for three seconds, just like you white fang it. Yeah, we white fang. <laughs> <laughs> for three seconds, I just really want to get through this. Okay. For three seconds, tell yourself the story and really just like try to believe it. Yeah. Just don't avoid it. Don't laugh it off. Just like it's like tell yourself I'm not smart enough or I'm fat or whatever it is. And I'm gonna look at my watch. All right, that was three seconds, and that probably felt kind of shitty if you actually did it. And, and the the thing is that there's nothing going on around you very likely that makes that an accurate thought. Like mm. if you think that you're bad, unless you just crashed your car or dropped all your weights at the gym, you're not bad right now at anything. If you feel like you're not smart enough, you're nothing happened right now. The, the trigger for that is just my thought about exactly. it. Exactly. And the, it feels believable because the emotion feels believable. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to tell you a different story. Okay. And same. I want you to just like lean into it, really try to believe it. And then we'll talk about how it feels. So right now for three seconds, Mm -hmm. drop all your defenses, drop your guard and tell yourself and try to believe I am a banana. All right, we're back. How did that go? Did you believe it? No. Did you freak out over it? No. Why not? Because it's silly. It's silly garbage. It's silly garbage. It's like garbage talk. It is garbage talk. The reason is because I really hope that you've never tried to tell yourself that story. So, so it comes to you and you can look down and say, I don't have a peel. I'm, you have a peel, but you don't have a peel. Oh. <laughs> I'm not high in potassium. I'm not a banana. And so your brain is able to actually evaluate the information because it's so novel. But for a lot of people, these stories, the emotion makes them feel believable. And so we just make a judgment off of that. Like, yeah, I suck. Or yeah, I'm fat. I'm going to do this instead. Do you ever have people tell you, yeah, I did believe I'm a banana? Yeah, one time. I had a patient who she... I loved this patient. She was she was so hardworking. She was so sweet. One of her thing was she needed she needed to please people. Yeah, constant. She had such a low hit rate for being correct at guessing where I was going with something. <laughs> and she would just be like, Yeah, I'm on it. Blah blah blah. And be like, No, that's not what I wanted. So I did this one and I was like, How did it go? And ninety nine point nine percent of the time people go, Yeah, I didn't believe it. That was dumb. I some people laugh, some people get frustrated. The whole idea is that you want to feel a thought that doesn't have any emotion right, to it. Right. Because the goal of act in a lot of ways is get emotion away from your thought. But she she did it. I'm like, all right, how did it go? Did you believe it? She goes, yep, I'm a banana. I totally believed it. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, oh, you you believed you're a banana? She's like, yeah, I got there. Like, I trust you. You told me to be a banana. Aww. I'm a banana. I'm like, oh, okay. Anything else you want to say? <laughs> no. Actually, really quick, there's times when we're more likely to rely on emotion, just so people know like when to be on the lookout. Yeah. Time pressure. Okay. When, when we perceive there's more time pressure. Okay. We're more likely to be swayed by our emotions, which I think it was your fear that happened with this house. Because we, we, I know we, we were really afraid we were going to like miss on the house because the housing market's moving. So oh, far. yeah, yeah, yeah. And but th- yeah, that was based on our past experience of losing out on so many houses. Oh, yeah. So, so we had, that's a big thing. So there's a lot of studies showing if you artificially make it feel like you're running out of time, people much more, they make make decisions much more quickly sure. and much more emotionally based. Yeah. Personal experience. So th- the difference between a person's reaction based on their experience or if they feel like there's an emotional reason or not. Mm-hmm. So this is like with climate change, people who 
are swayed less by emotional reasoning are ones that are older. So they're less likely to be faced with the consequences of mm-hmm. emo- of climate change. They're not going to be alive in like 2040. Or people who live in areas that are less affected. So mm. you see it in the very middle of the country. People sure. Well, they have like tornadoes and right, yeah. there's so much shit happening right now. But maybe they don't feel like that's climate change. Right. I think people have an availability of what climate change is. So it's like the rising tides, the red tides, stuff like that. And so people, if they have less buy-in, then emotional reasoning doesn't really affect them as much. And the last one is a memory load. So if you're just really, you have a lot of stuff in your head going on, Mm -hmm. you're much more likely to act on emotion rather than logic Hmm. and facts. So this, this is one of the reasons why like people very rarely cheat on their diet in the morning. So it's like usually by the end of the day, you have a lot of stuff on your oh, mind. Oh, that's interesting. And then you're out to eat and someone goes, oh, do you want a piece of cake? And without thinking about, oh, that's calories. Do I have enough sure. calories? You just act very impulsively hmm. based on, oh, that sounds good. Or like. So it's a way to counteract that just to know that that's an issue. Yeah. It's it's trying to, to develop more things that would keep, uh, keep emotion out of it. Mm. Or if, if you're aware, if you're aware of times where you're more cognitively busy, so like at the end of the day, yeah, like it's like one thing that we've been doing is like planning our meals out. So there's less thought involved because it's like I just choose yeah. these three healthy meals yeah. versus go in there and eat all the potato chips. Yeah, which which is funny because the the week that we did not have any meals planned, I ate like a shit pig. It was gross. <laughs> <laughs> I do love potato. I love snacking. I know. I I really love to snack. I'm so tired. I know. Well, that's a good sign that we should stop then. So then we can get to bed, mm-hmm. start this week. Yeah. Visit our Facebook page. Like it. We have 105 likes. We do. How many subscribers do we have now? 140. Really? Yeah. That's so exciting. Yeah. Holy shit. Wow. I'm hoping Thank it gets you more guys. so that we look back. I'm like, oh, that's so quaint when we liked it when it was 140. It can only get... Well, I guess it could get less. No, it's actually... It's funny because I got really anxious because... Two weeks ago, we were at like 108, uh-huh. and then overnight, it dropped to like 90, Aww. and I was like, what do we do to piss off 18 people? Mm-hmm. And then like it popped back up again, so. Thank you guys so much. This is our, I don't know, dream, po- dream. Is this our last episode? <laughs> no, 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 not at all. I'm just really excited that we get to do this, and like, I mean, we're not getting paid for it. It's totally taking up a lot of our time. But we love doing it and yeah, we're excited fun. that people listen to us. That is, yeah. I I hope people believe us when we say that because it, it is super fun and I love it. When we find out people are talking to other people about it and not, not like name dropping it, but talking about the ideas we've talked about. So when yeah. people are working through the ideas behind spanking or these mental shortcuts, that's awesome. When people are asking questions about therapy, things right. like that. And so yeah, that's, that's the whole goal. That's our genuine goal. Not to get rich and famous or to get free whiskey. Even or to get... I, you know, any money from it. Or to get like a Peloton bike for the back office <laughs> because Peloton is good for your mental health. And or to your get a quip health. toothbrush. I, I think I have a quip head showing up in a couple of months. Yeah, I thought I was going to get one too. And I don't know what's happening. Quip, if you want to stay in our good graces, get us the new head. We've already paid for it. All right. Love you, Dana. Love you. Bye. You should take that out. Why? Please take that out. I'm going to. Yeah, it's not awful. It bad as I said it. Yeah, it's it's not. Okay, you can leave that joke in, but take out that very last well, piece. Well, you just stared at me. Well, because I look, 
If I pay attention to everything you say, we'd be here for hours. Cut that out. Cut that out. Cut this out. It's boring.